I'm saying to get angry. That's why I'm saying to go, go through it. That's what people are, are going to be doing. That's what they do. They, they body up. They body up. All right? The cozy's going to try to get off. We have to keep guys out of our paint. Our defense has not been bad. It's been, it's been okay. It's been, at times, it's been really good. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 163 of the Championship Vision Podcast. Today we have Coach Dan Leozing. Dan Leozing is the program director of the Cornhusker Corn Shooting Stars in Nebraska. Dan Leozing is an entrepreneur driven by the opportunity to help athletes achieve their goals. Dan founded the Cornhusker Shooting Stars in 1998 to help youth develop character, increase athletic skill, learn team concept, and open opportunities to the sport of basketball. In addition to founding and directing club basketball, Dan is also a past high school and college player, longtime basketball coach, small business owner, and area director for the Premier Team Network, sponsored by Under Armour. Today, Dan balances his time between work, coaching, and raising a busy family of four with his wife for 24 years. In the CSS program, he strives to challenge his players to achieve their maximum potential in practices and games. His goal is to assist each player in becoming a complete athlete. His renewed focus is on personal improvement, game knowledge, and decision-making in team play with less stress on the outcome of the games. The players in this program are consistently leaders in their high school programs throughout the state of Nebraska, 
over 100 CSS players have gone on to play college basketball since 2001. 42 of those players have gone on to play at major NCAA Division I programs such as Nebraska, Illinois, Colorado State, Colorado, North Carolina State, Florida State, Kansas State, Iowa, Purdue, San Diego, Missouri, Memphis, Seton Hall, and Creighton. Coaches, I think you're really going to enjoy just kind of getting a different perspective on coaching on that. I know I interview a lot of high school coaches, and Dan at one time was a high school coach, but he is a um, kind of different level. He's at a top-level, club-level program, which produces some great players, and he was going to give us his perspective on, number one, how does he get these players ready for the next level? Uh, What are some things that he's doing with his program that might be similar or different than what we are doing at the high school level? So I think you're really going to get a different perspective but an elite perspective on how he's building one of the top club programs in the country. So let's welcome Dan Leozzi. Hello. Hey, Dan. How are you, man? Good. How are you? How's it going? Good. I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No problem at all. Um, <clears throat> I know, uh, I spoke to my friend Mike DeVelvis, uh, Coach DeVelvis, uh, really recommended you. And I said, okay, I got to get – and if he says it, I got to get Dan on, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, hey, I, you know, I, what's interesting is um, I try to interview coaches from all over the country, and I haven't gotten yet the 50 states, but you're my first coach from Nebraska, man, so I'm excited. That's an honor, I guess, isn't it? So It is. A, yeah. It's a great honor. Yeah. So for me, yeah, to be the first from Nebraska. <laughs> uh, but I tell you what's interesting, though, is uh, I just got off the phone a little while ago uh, with Celeste Ratka from um, Wisconsin. She spoke very highly of what you're doing with your program out there in Nebraska. Oh, well, it's, it's always nice to hear other people, uh, uh, you know, think that you do a good job because, you know, as coaches, we have enough critics. So. You don't always, you don't That's always right. hear compliments, um, so it's always nice to get them when you can have them. Yeah, I'm not sure if compliments, even if you win a state championship, I'm not sure if the compliments come around too much, but that's a whole other podcast there, Coach. Yeah. Um, uh, t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I-, I always want to start with you know how you kind of grew up in the game and um, really how that kind of formed you, transformed you into what you're doing right now as a coach. Well, you know, I, um, but my parents weren't, weren't athletes and, um, I have five sisters and, and they were all cheerleaders. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I was allowed to hang out with uh, them and their boyfriends, which, you know, they always were either football or basketball or baseball players. So, you know, one, one of my sister's boyfriends are the, is the one that really got me started in basketball, put a hoop up in my yard and played with me and, you know, he went on and played college basketball. And um, so that's what got me started. And then, uh, you know, I was just a basketball junkie. You know, you, I, I played all the sports, but I love basketball, you know. And uh, so I was always out there practicing. And um, I had some really good mentors, um, some volunteer coaches growing up because, you know, I'm 50 years old. So, you know, when I was <laughs> growing up as a teenager, they didn't have all this uh, – 
organized AAU, you know, play 50 games in a summer, you know, I mean, summer was about going to camps and, and sure. even during the season in junior high, I mean, we, we thought it was great when we got to play 18 games over three and a half months. Now you play 18 <laughs> games in three weeks. So, um, you know, but I, but my coaches growing up, they were volunteers and, uh, they had no kids on the teams I played for. They strictly volunteered. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from the game of basketball. I learned a lot from them. So, you know, we, so I went on, played high school and college. Then I, you know, I was married two years out of college and, and, you know, we became the guardians of my wife's niece two years into marriage and she was a 10 year old and and we're looking at each other going, what do 23 year olds do with, uh, for lack of better words, a a 10 year old daughter. Now I said, well, I I guess I'll coach a basketball team. So (laughs) she turned out not to be very good. Um, and didn't play, you know, played for about three or four years, but I fell in love with coaching something I never even, you know, I never really thought I was ever going to coach. I never, it never really crossed my mind that I was going to be a come a coach. And, um, you know, um, I own my own business. It's a family business. So I didn't go into the teaching profession to be a high school coach. So, I mean, I just, you know, basically cause my, my niece who's now 34, um, came into our lives as a daughter, I started coaching, got the bug and uh, have been coaching ever since. Yeah, that's an interesting start because I I know I speak to a lot of great coaches from around the country. It's amazing how many coaches really almost are thrown in to the position of coaching and they go, man, I I really like this. Isn't that odd? Yeah, Yeah, it is odd because, I mean, I think, (laughs) you know, I mean, some people know they want to be a teacher in education and, and go into coaching, but, but other people, you know, the way I grew up, there wasn't this AAU circuit, you know, and yeah. basketball the way it is. So really, if you were going to be a coach of any substance, you also kind of had to go into education. So if you weren't going to do that, you really just never thought about coaching. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's odd for our generation, my generation, um, to be, be thrown into it because, you know, I, I think it just happens. Like, I think my story is, is you know, it's, it's different than a lot of people's, but I think there's some similarities on, on, on how coaches get started. Absolutely. And um, I'm, I'm actually going to be 56 tomorrow. So, um, yeah. so I, I can definitely uh, connect and relate to you, coach. Um Hey, give us some mentors that actually shaped your philosophy. Because I, you know, after studying and kind of reading about you, you guys definitely have a mission on what you're trying to do with your program. Um, who kind of helped you shape your philosophy that you're using now? Well, you know, my um, it was shaped a long time ago. Um, I mean, I had some really good coaches, um, but I, I think the part of our program that that's different is that that we really we really try to help um all players you know not just the best players and um we really i really want to help people make a difference as well you know um take give kids opportunities that wouldn't have opportunities um and i just i mean anyone any club's going to go get 
um, a really good player that can't afford to play and pay for him. But to me, it's more than that. It's get them started young and, and try to help them develop the skills to where they have those opportunities. But I was, my, my biological parents got divorced when I was six months old and my grandparents raised me. So they're really my mom and dad. And, and right there just taught me, it stuck with me that you, without that opportunity, I wouldn't be the person I am. I don't think. Right. And, uh, so that really shaped me into really the giving part, try to help people help themselves, give, give opportunities um, and, and try to help them improve as, as people and basketball players. And, and that's kind of our mission. It, it's, I tell the players all the time, um, if you want to come to my program and, and, you know, be coddled because you're a good player, go to a different program. <laughs> you know, if you want to come and, and become a better basketball player and a better leader and a better person, this is a great fit for you, but we're going to work here and um, we're going to get better. And you are, you are obligated to be at practices and, and to work hard. And I don't care if you're the number four kid in the country, you're still coming to practice or you're going to go find our team to play for. So, but my mentor is Bob Telestis. He was a YMCA director, coached, coached my teams from sixth through eighth grade on a volunteer basis. And then my high school coach, Rick Kalura, who basically came from the college ranks um, he, he really understood the, I mean, he understood the game at a, at a much higher level and faster level because he came, came from college. So that was really fun during the high school years. Cause we did a lot of different stuff that people weren't doing in high school that we were doing. So it was a lot of fun and we were successful at it. And then coach Erickson at, at Doan, where I went to play college. I mean, you know, it, it's. Well, I'll just say it this way. His, his mentor was Bobby Knight, and that's how he kind of coached. And uh, right. I could handle it. Some people couldn't handle it. I could because my, my dad, my grandpa who raised me was the same way. So it didn't bother me one bit. But he, he, he really knew X's and O's, and, and he, really, what he, he really drilled in execution. I mean, we, we had a base, basic plays, about 10 basic plays that everyone in our conference knew. They ran to the spot on defense before we could get there on offense. They knew them so well. But, <laughs> but he, he taught you how to think, the, the, you know, counter, the, you know, make a different move and uh, to really think the game. But if you still execute it, they can know the play and it'll still work. It's just a different option. You know, they know the first option, but – run it through and, and the third op the, you'll you'll get a layup on third option because they're cheating so much. So he really drilled right. the execution part. And um, so, you know, the work ethic I got from my, my grandparents uh, that raised me. Um, and I that's what I try to instill in my, my players, you know, I mean uh, what separates you if if they're you know, I, I tell my girls, we're primarily girls, we do some boys, but I tell them all the time. I mean, take take a look around this this gym in Atlanta in the in the conference center here, of 150 courts. There's a bunch of people that are the same size as you that look just like you for the most part, and have the same athletic ability. So, what sets you apart on the court? What's going to get you noticed? You know, and to me, it's the little things. 
dive on the floor. Hustle, hustle out of bounds for a, a loose ball. Don't watch, don't stop and watch it go out of bounds. Try to make a play, try to get it. That's the stuff that I think people notice because I don't think a lot of players do it anymore. Sure. So, or not being taught. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, that, or, I think yeah, that's or, a, yeah. <laughs> or demanded. And then later in my life, I mean, Mike, you know, later in my life, Mike DeVilbus, I mean, sure. I've, I've never met anyone that, that, I've never met anyone that understands the game as well as Mike. I mean, and, and he just, he, he understands the game. He knows how to break the game down. Um, and, and our coaching styles are very similar of, of demanding players to, to, to work hard. And, and, you know, we, we have a bar and we're not lowering it for you. You're going to have to come to it if you want to succeed with us. Yeah, those are some great mentors. And I think all your I think all your people that go on and succeed in life, you can't do it alone, right? Yeah. Dan, I mean you you need people to guide you. But eventually you have to establish your own philosophy based on all those great mentors that you had. Um tell me about travel basketball because I think it overall has with high school coaches, I don't know, I think it has somewhat of a negative connotation, my personal opinion. I think it's needed um, because uh, I think I have a player that plays for the Nike elite team here in Atlanta and she gets a lot out of that. And she, she brings that, she plays against grain competition and then brings it back with us um, all the things that she's learned. So I think it's beneficial for the kids. Tell us about the philosophy of your program and how can you connect better with the high school coaches, right? Yeah, yeah. It you definitely hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's uh, high school coaches. You know, they they don't, for the most part, in Nebraska here, and I think mostly around the country, they they're not fond of the travel basketball programs, and and you know, for some reason, most travel basketball program coaches they think that they're better than the high school coaches. So right there, you have a natural conflict. And uh, to me, uh, you said, a, a, you made a point that I, that I think a lot of coaches don't really fully understand that, but if, if you're a high school coach, and this is what I try to tell high school coaches and, and, and so we can get along and, and if your best player on the, on your team needs to play against better competition in the summer. Yeah, so for sure. Better, or he gets better. And, and, you know, but it feel, I feel like sometimes high school coach, they don't want to go to that team camp if they don't have their best three players. And to me, you know, I try to try to explain that, well, let those three players go play with better players against better players in the summer and go develop the kids behind those three, you know, at team camps. You might not win the games, but you're developing the point guard that's going to play behind that the, the kid is playing in this on a summer team, because at some point, what if the, I mean, I always say, don't you want to develop your depth? Because what if that <laughs> yeah. kid sprains her ankle, tears out her knee, and it's the first time you ever had to play a game without your starting point guard and your, your whole team is looking around going oh, this season shot. What are we going to do? And, but if you went and played all summer with her, without her, because she was playing on a Nike elite team, then your players were looking around and saying, well, 
we did it all summer. We love to play with her, but we played without her all summer. So I guess that's what we're going to do this winter. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of positives of of the travel teams, but I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you completely break down that barrier of, of, um, you, you know, the travel coach program versus the high school coach program, except what, what I try to do now in my program is invite the high school coaches to come coach in my program. <laughs> so, you know, right. um, and that works because, you know, it's, it, it, it creates a, a better relationship because their better players are now playing on your better teams. But that high school coach also has seven to 10 to 15, whatever other varsity JV players playing on some team in the program, or, you know, the junior high kids, middle school kids that are going to eventually feed into that school are playing on your youth teams. And that coach gets to be around all those kids and start coaching them a little bit. So, you know, to me, inviting high school coaches to coach in your AAU program is the best way to break down those barriers. Yeah. I love that. I love how you're bringing them in coach. That's really a smart move. Um, and also it, um, now I don't know what the rules are because out here in Georgia, obviously we can't uh, unless in June we can coach our own our own players, but after that we're not allowed to the coach on that. But it sounds like to me you're allowing them to coach not maybe their own players, but maybe some of the other players maybe in yes. Nebraska. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah. So that's it. They they come in and they they they're in the program coaching a team, and they might have like two kids at their school. But they might be coaching kids. I mean, you know, they might be coaching kids from another high school here in the city of Lincoln. So, I mean, they might be coaching against, they might be coaching kids in the summer that they're coaching against in the winter. But, uh, you know, to me, I think that's fun. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I grew up playing, you know, when we, when we got to high school, we, we played the teams. From, we had four high schools, and we played on teams with those kids in middle school and against. So then when so then we went back to our high school and we went to high school. We were like friends. We would play the cross-town cross rival, and then we'd all meet at McDonald's and talk about the game <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. We were friends because we, 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 played, we played with each other in middle school. So in high school, you got to know each other. And, you know, those are the fun games. I mean, the fun games are when, you, when you're friends with the people on the other side of the court. Now you want to beat them, but it's a it's a good rivalry. You're not mad at them. You want to beat them, but it's not it's not animosity. You know, does that make sense? And, and it makes those games more fun. And it makes it it, just, it was a it was a lot of fun growing up playing high school basketball in Nebraska because I got to play against a lot of my good friends in high school games. Yeah, and I, I, it's definitely a different time, right, Coach? I mean, nowadays, um, of course, you got players out, out here in Georgia. You got players transferring all over the place. Um, yeah. It's really the transfer portal is unbelievable out here, uh, which is a whole nother podcast. Um, tell me about uh, the pandemic now, and what are your plans this summer? I, I think what I saw was you guys are practicing right now, or is that something you guys are going to be doing pretty soon? Yeah, we're, we're we're Nebraska's just starting to open up uh, June first. 
baseball and softball get to start practicing. Um, volleyball gets to start doing skills only, no more than 10 people on a court. They haven't opened it up to basketball yet. Um, you know, to me, you know, I'm just following the guidelines of, of what Nebraska is, is setting forth because, you know, um, it doesn't matter my view if, if, if it's, you know, if we could do it or couldn't do it, it's just I think the right thing to do is is to follow is follow the mandates put on by your state. So, right um, to me, I'm hoping here in June, yeah, uh, the next week or so, we can start doing at least skills stuff um, with the kids, and we'll do that. And then I'm really hoping by July we can start practicing and and see if we can get the kids to a couple tournaments in July. But I've already decided that we're we're not we're not going to travel out of the state um, in July either. Um, I've talked to all the other clubs in the state and, and said, you know, we have five or six clubs here. You know, we can all go up to Omaha for the day and then play and and come down to Lincoln to our facility and, and play some games. And to me, it's about playing games. It's just, um, you know, yeah. there's still too many unknowns out there sure i'm not that i'm not conservative but i also you know i don't want to do anything to put the youth my players their families in jeopardy and 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 that's the biggest thing about it and um so in july we're gonna try to play some games here in nebraska where the kids can drive up to omaha drive back sleep in their own bed you know instead of hotels and 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 it makes it a little more awkward for me because the way we travel is we travel like a college team, all of our teams. I mean, we get in vans, our charter bus, and the kids the kids are roomed together. They eat together. They travel together. So it's a little bit different than if you're going traditionally how travel teams go. They, they go to the tournament with their parents, stay in their parents' hotel room. and they're, you know, Does that make sense? So Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, yeah. So for me, it's a little more difficult to travel – the way we've traveled for 20 years is because our kids travel together. They stay in the hotel rooms together. They eat together, which they think it's great. I mean, they're like, I mean, they're, they're making lasting relationships. I mean, I, I love it when I get, I mean, I, I just got a, a text of, of a, a group of ladies that are now 29 years old and four of them got together um, over Christmas because they've and they all went to different high schools, they all went to different colleges, but the the, the friendship they developed, the five or six years they played in the program, is still there. And I, I mean, I think that's what it's all about. So, yeah, and um, yeah, those everlasting those those lasting relationships, right, Coach? And that's yeah. that's something that all the high school coaches that um, that they listen to the podcast. I, I, I want them to get your perspective on the benefits because I know this because I have a really good player that absolutely loves her travel team, but she carries that back over to our team. So um, I know the benefits of it. And I know the Nike Elite program competes all around the country. I mean, this girl, the experience she did last year, traveled to Louisville, to Chicago, uh, big tournaments here in Atlanta. I mean, what a great experience that you guys were providing these kids, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, depending on how they do it, I mean, 
you're 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 actually preparing them for college. I mean, to me, the way we travel, um, kind of <clears throat> like a college team. I mean, it, all the parents don't go with us. Um, first of all, they can't afford to go. All of them can't afford to go to Louisville and then right. Chicago and, like you said, then the Minneapolis and keep going. But they're away from home, you know. And so it's not the first time they're away from home for a long period of time without, you know, mom or dad or uh, there's whoever that, you know, their guardians. Um, so they're kind of used to that, you know. And um, so there's a lot of benefits of, of the travel team. The, the most the biggest part, I, I think, is that, you, you know, players players that your best players on your high school team they need to be challenged as well so let them go play with better kids in the summer right and and and, and you know the summer is about i mean in my philosophy the summer is about getting better and you only get better when you're challenged so you know um let 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 find a place for all your players to be challenged during the summer at the level they need to be challenged so they can reach their goals. And, you know, cause I, I try to, you know, I, I try to travel teams are fun for players to play on with great ability, like the player you have, because it's just a higher level game, right? It is. Um, yeah. But I, I always preach to my players you know, don't don't take that part of it or the, that back to your high school. You know, high school basketball and, and club basketball, to my in my opinion, are played for completely different reasons. I mean, club basketball, it's really about, depending on who you play for, I mean, you're either playing for exposure, you know, uh, which they all are playing for exposure, and some it's just exposure, but for my program, you know, it's not exposure. And I, and, I, and I hit on earlier that if you're just here for the exposure, go somewhere else because we're going to practice four times a week. And if you're on my top team, we're going to have two a days. You're going to get up at six o'clock in the morning. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, Athletic Director and Girls Basketball Coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, what it brings and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and, and grow as coaches. And then you're going to come back for team practice, and then we're going to do skills from from four to five thirty, and we're going to do it because you're going to do it in college. You guys say you want to go play college basketball at a high level. You're going to have to get up and go lift weights, and then go to practice, or vice versa, or film, or what. So you might as well get used to not. You might as well get used to having your time monopolized by the game of basketball if you want to go play Division One basketball for the most part. Um, so those are good lessons for them to learn. But you know, to me, it, it's just. Too many coaches, it's just about wins and losses. And, and I think that's those are the coaches that, that that have a hard time. Sometimes we forget about why we're coaching. And I think most coaches got into coaching at first 
because they wanted to help kids. But sometimes you lose track of that. Does that make sense? Right. And it, it makes and a lot of sense. It becomes, yeah. It starts to become more about them and their reputation and about winning and losing and streaks and, you know, winning state and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And, and the focus slowly turns away from the kids and the youth to them. And, you know, and, and I think that's, that's a problem because I think most people get into coaching because they want to help kids at first. Yeah. And that's a great, that's a great point, Dan. I, I, I do feel like part of that problem is administrations and, and booster clubs putting pressure on coaches for results. So what ends up happening is um, you start focusing on that um, because if you know your jobs based on your wins loss, uh, but I think your great coaches find a way, the art of coaching, right? To do both. Right. And your mission and your program is to develop a complete player. And that's what it really sounds like. Talk about what are you doing to develop a complete player, whether that's skills, whether that's intangibles, leadership, work ethic, uh, kind of continue on with that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, we do a lot of skills work, you know, we, we, uh, we, we really focus on on skills because I because I think skills skills trump a lot of uh, issues and and to me I'm in girls basketball skills trump athleticism okay if you have a skilled kid versus an athletic kid with not a lot of skills the skills kid usually wins boys basketball a little different. Sometimes just an athletic kid can trump a lot of stuff, but, but, but I still think no matter how, what your athletic ability is, the better skills you have, the better player you're going to be. Okay. So we do work on a lot of, a lot of skills. We work on a lot of basketball IQ, you know, um, I get a lot of trouble at tournaments when I, when I kind of, I guess would say yell or, coach you know coach them up or something when some kid takes a shot that's a really bad shot you know the the, the three-point shot when you're up by 11 with with uh 55 seconds you know? <laughs> sure and you know grandma and grandpa are in the stands wondering why i'm yelling at their their son or or the grandson or granddaughter <clears throat> about it where you know so understanding the game is another way well, here it is, and I'll backtrack. I always, I initially said, find a way to set yourself apart from other players. Skills is one of them. The things you can control. You can only maximum. You can, you can only do so much with your God-given natural ability, your athletic ability. So, it maximize that to the best you can. But then do all the things that you can control. Skills, develop skills, basketball IQ understand the game understand where you're supposed to be your your teammates are supposed to be understand what's a good shot and what's a bad shot um so that kind of stuff and then work outwork people you want to succeed the best way to succeed is just outwork somebody and uh so we do and you know we we run a lot <clears throat> When we're not working hard, 
we repeat a lot of drills when um, when we don't do them well. The first 30 minutes, we do the same three drills that we've done for 20 years. And I tell them, I know you don't like them, but we're going to do them. Because I can find anybody that works hard doing something they want to do. I'm trying to develop you to work hard when it's something you don't want to do. Because that's, that's rare to find nowadays. And being a business owner, it's really hard to find employees that want to continue to work hard even when they're not enjoying what they're doing. <laughs> so to me, I tell right. you, these are the drills we're doing for 30 minutes. And they take 30 minutes. If you want to move on for the next two and a half hours and do something different, you're going to do them well. Otherwise, we could still be doing these two hours later because we'll just repeat them. If you're not doing them the way I want them done, we're just going to repeat them. And, uh, and we have, you know, you know, every year, the new, every year they challenge me one or two times and then an hour and a half later, we're still doing them. And then they learn and then we just move on for the rest of summer. And it's really not an issue, but, uh, you know, so I think that's how, you know, I, I want to instill those values. And, and to me, those values or what you're valued for, you know, I, I don't value players because they're good basketball players. You know, I mean, just the, the kid that's the all stater or the, the super stater. I, I mean, I value them, but I don't value them because they were named super state. I value them because if they're, if they're working hard, being leader, talking, encouraging, doing all the little things, does that make sense? And, um, it does. And, and, I, and I think that's why, I, you know, I, I think, the, and, you know, I, I'll defend travel coaches and club coaches because that's what I am. But I also do believe the travel portal that's that's full or the, the, the transfer portal that stems from travel basketball because clubs in the summer, I mean, it. it it's harder to transfer high schools. It's not that hard to transfer club basketball teams. So, you know, does that make sense? So these club coaches, yeah. they end up babysitting and, and just tolerating a lot of stuff from really good, you know, the number five kid in the country. Well, I'm going to let her skip practice. I'm not really going to confront her on the court because I don't want her going over and playing for the other top club in, in Nebraska. You know, I'm just using Nebraska. But I mean that that goes on a lot. And um so they don't they end up not coaching their kids. They they end up doing a disservice to the players because they're they don't coach them because they don't want to lose them. And to me that's where I go to say, well it's then that's really more about you than it is about the kid. Cause I'd rather coach the I'd rather coach the kid and if they leave because I'm coaching her or him or the parents don't like it, well, fine, go to another club. But when you get to college and you don't like it, you're going to go to another college, right? Okay, great. And they're doing it right now. Well, what happens, you know, what happens in 10 years when those kids that are transferring all these schools for whatever reasons they're transferring, then they go start working. They're going to quit their job every three months and go get a new one. Because that's what they're yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, we're trying yeah. to teach kids yeah. how to be successful adults. You're not a successful adult every time you, every time something doesn't go your way, you quit and go somewhere else. I mean, there's only <clears> so <throat> many jobs that you're going to be able to get before 
they don't they stop hiring you <laughs> right so, anyway it's kind of my soap yeah. sorry about that but that's I, I love that i think um because i you know i have a good friend of mine gene durden who coaches at buford out here in atlanta uh and all of his kids play on travel ball team and he tells me that he says coach he says he wants his kids to play at that level like you're saying, but a lot of the coaches are not telling. He believes in telling the kids the honest yep. truth. And if you don't like it, hey, go somewhere else. But he's got a – you know, he's built that program up. But Gene would do it no matter if you're the best player. Um, and I like that. So he talks about obviously give your kids the truth, yep. right? I mean, <laughs> uh, that's what sounds like what you're doing with your program. Yeah, uh, it is. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> – I have people tell me that, I, you, Dan, you're, you're a very honest person, but sometimes you're brutally honest. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I mean, you're either honest or you're not honest. I mean, just because you don't, because, because I tell you something that you don't want to hear, that's not brutally honest. It's honest. It's just, you don't want to hear about it. You know? Yeah. And so right. They're not, you know, to me, if you truly are coaching for the kids, you, you, you know, you have to put the fear of losing players aside because you're coaching them. I mean, you know, I tell all my kids this, um, you know, the only one you can't lie to is yourself. So after practice, go home, look in the mirror and tell yourself and say, I worked as hard as I possibly could today. And if you can do it, then you probably did while you're lying to yourself. But, I mean, you can lie to everybody and try to fool everybody, but you can't fool yourself. You know, you, you can say something, but you, you honestly know if it's the truth or not. So you, you, you have to live with that. So to me, I, I always – my program, I tell them all the time, and, I, and I've said it three times here. You know, if you're here, if you don't want to become the best player you can be, this is not a good program for you because every time you're not giving me a hundred percent, you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it 100% of the time. You know, Mike DeVilbus calls it stretching the players, you know? Right. And, uh, and to me, stretching the players is if you want to be better, you always have to raise the bar. Well, that means the players have to go to the bar and, you know, nothing is good enough. You know, and, and when you master something, then we're going to go on and make something more difficult for you. Because I know one thing, when you're comfortable, you don't improve at anything in life. So, yeah, that, that's for sure. And, and before you get into kind of your defensive system, because um, a lot of high school coaches think, well, you know, at the club level, they just let the kids play. I, I, I think some of your best coaches are at, the club level and so forth, because I've seen a lot of travel ball games. Uh, but tell me about your three drills. I want to know, because you brought that up, Coach. I want to know what your three drills are you do at every practice. Can you briefly kind of give us an example of that? Yeah. Uh, one, one is corner pivot, where basically you're going to start underneath the hoop, and you're going to dribble out to the sideline at the free throw line. <clears throat> then you're going to switch over. You're going to, you know, we, we – uh, we switch hands, then we around the back, through the leg, spin. Then we drill out to the middle of the court, and then we go the other direction of the free throw line, sideline, and then we go shoot a layup, and the kid's out of bounds, and they get the rebound out, and then they go. 
and you're going to touch you're going to touch every spot and you're going to and you're going to change direction properly you know you're going to plant your foot and then step the direction you want to go to we're not going to round make semicircles trying to make cuts and then once we do that you know and we do that both sides and, and we go we cross we go around around the back through the legs and spin and then we do it both sides and then we do turn the man and the first time it's just basically we're doing defensive slide the same thing as corner pivot but we're gonna slide we're gonna get both feet out of bounds not one foot out of bounds not just touch the sideline we're gonna we're gonna take our man all the way and go all the way out of bounds with two feet sideline and be square you know not an angle so if they hit you they're hitting you square so it's a charge and then we're gonna go turn them in the middle of the court and we're gonna turn them like like so i can see you actually it looks like you're turning them you know and okay. Then once we master that without offense, then we put offense on there, and we do it. And to me, it's okay. Offense, your job is to challenge the defense, not beat the defense. This is not a one-on-one drill. I don't want to see that you can beat. You're you're going as hard as you can to where your defensive teammate is challenged, but not running. Just you know what I'm saying. I mean, there's there's got to be a quality about it, and. Then you're also getting your head up offensively, offense, and you're looking at the defense and you're making your moves just like you did corner pivot. Well, and offense, you're going to take them all the way out of bounds, all the way, so they can get both feet out of bounds, and you're not going to stop early and go the other way, and you're not going to turn the other direction in the middle unless they're turning you. So we we do that drill a lot because, well, you know, they don't listen to the, the instructions. You need to turn them defensively. Offense, don't go the other direction until they turn you. Um, it's very simple. I just stop and say, okay, you two right there. Why would you turn? They never answer. I said, well, would you have turned in the game the way she played you? No. I said, because she wasn't turning you. The only reason you're going to turn going up the court in the game is if someone turns you. So that's what we're working on. And then we do the old just two-man pass. Just, you know. 15 foot apart. Um, mm -hmm. We start with the tennis ball twice, you know, run down and we're running down the back baseline to baseline, throwing to your teammate with tennis ball, then a basketball chest pass, then bounce pass. And then we do two balls. One, one's throwing the bounce and one's throwing the chest as we're running baseline to baseline. And you're talking to your teammate when you pass the ball to them. Well, we start over a lot because they don't talk to their teammate. We, we start over a lot because we don't talk. You know, sure. And every one of those drills, I want them to talk. Like in the corner pivot, you, if you're like, you make a move, say cross, then say around, then say through. Why? You're not going to say in the game, but none of you talk. So we're just going to practice talking <laughs> on the court. So, you know, so um, those are the three drills. And they don't like them at all. <laughs> yeah you know and and that, you know i've had conversations with parents and well the, you know you might get more out of them if you couldn't there another drill that does the same thing i said yeah there's a lot of drills that do the same thing except i'm not just trying to teach them this drill I, i'm gonna go back to what i said before i'm trying to to get them to hold themselves to excellence and work hard even with the even when they don't want to do it 
even when they don't want to do it, because that's a care. That's a characteristic that they'll take on for take with them the rest of their, their lives. If they can learn to do a job well and as hard as they possibly can, even if they don't want to do it, that's something that they that will translate. They'll take with them in school, their jobs everywhere for the rest of their lives, not just on the basketball court. Yeah, I love what you're doing there. And I um, that is I love the discipline that you're establishing early in the practice. Cause I think a lot of times early in practice, we're probably a little bit too loose kind of getting things going. You might as well start from the beginning saying, Hey, this is how we do things in our practice. So what you're trying to do is like the rest of the practice, if they do it the way you want, I'm sure the rest of the practice, they're a little more focused. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and then we go on and we, we do different drills, you know? So, uh, Right. You know, we do a lot of, you know, if they if they if they come and they're working hard. I mean, my my big thing is I think you learn a lot about the game, um, doing a lot of, you know, three live stuff, but not five on five. We don't do a lot of scrimmaging. We'll do a lot of uh, three on three. We'll do a lot of four on four. Uh, we'll do a lot of uh, you know odd number three on two stuff, you know, uh, four on three kind of stuff um, where offensively you have an advantage or defensively you have an advantage to, to teach them, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of people that, that uh, they, they talk about finishing or make the extra pass, but they never practice it. But then you just expect the kids going to do it on the, you know, um, you know, I hear a lot of coaches yell at their kids, or coach their kids up, uh, be strong with the ball. But but I but I don't know if a lot of coaches actually teach and break down how to be strong with the ball. Does that make sense? Right, makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, for be sure. With, what's that mean, coach? <laughs> you know, be strong with. Okay, and they nod and they go on. Like I don't think that kid understood what that coach meant. <laughs> so, um, so. You know, to me, as I said, it's, it's discipline, it's work ethic, it's basketball IQ. I mean, to me, I, I try to, I try, I try to help the kids um, with every aspect of the game except the athletic ability, uh, and we do plyometrics and stuff like that. But I mean, maximize what, maximize what you can maximize, and, and you know what? At the end of the day, we all can't be the best player. We can't, but you're going to fill really good about yourself if you maximized what you got out of yourself and that that's all you can really do i mean at the end of the day you, you we all can't be lebron james but i can still feel really good about me as a basketball player if i know i'm doing everything i can to be the best i can i'm just never going to be lebron james <laughs> i mean right so right I, I, absolutely and that's a yeah so go ahead sorry no, no, go go ahead, Dan. On that, I, I mean, it sounds like I mean, the sign of a good coach, in my opinion, is the one who's getting something, even getting something out of nothing. You're making people better, regardless of their talent level. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, I, I was looking at your podcast, what you offer, and, and I'm a huge fan of Bruce Brown. You know, and I, and I saw a couple times he had like role of parents in athletics, and um, sure, and. You know, I like there's uh, four of them. Well, there's more than that, but I, but I like, you, you know, uh, great. There's one about being a great teammate, and then there's one about. I mean, there's like three of them, and and my players get 
when we're in the van, we listen to the with we listen to them, and I make them take notes, <laughs> and then I make them identify, yeah. you know, the players who's our best athlete, who's who you know, um, who's our weakest link. Because I because I'm a firm believer that that you know to have a great program, um, you have to value your your for lack of better words your worst player as much as your best player and i'll go even further i need to value i need to value the lower players more than the higher players because the higher players don't need me to build them up they already have all the accolades you know and and i won't be tough runs because you know when you're tougher when you're when you're toughest on your best player you set the tone for the rest of your team or program like dude if, he, if coach isn't going to take it from that kid, he's not going to take it from me. So I'm toughest. It, it's 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 a terrible thing to be the best player on my team because you're you're, you're getting <laughs> it all the time. And I tell him, you know, if you if you want to be my starting point guard, if you want me to set you up in these situations, you're going to have to take it. And sometimes, sometimes I'm not even upset with you, but I'm gonna get on your butt because the rest of the team's irritating me. And you're just gonna have to take it. And if you can't take it, then then you don't get, then you don't get the benefits of being the best player on my team. So, right. Um, and this might not be the best yeah, program totally. for you, right? I mean, uh, but uh, it sounds like you've done a great job keeping kids in the program. They understand your culture. Talk about your defense. Um, I'm a big fan of Mike Devilbus. We actually run. Uh, and I, I read what you said about how you run the buzz defense. We actually run it full time. So we're two, two, one back into a high buzz. And we run that full time right. at our level. And we cause teams all sorts of fits. Um, now we'll mix it up with a little bit of man to man, but we find like this, it is, that's just who we are. Talk about your defensive system and talk about, you know, maybe a little bit more about the influence of Mike and the buzz on your program. Yeah. I mean, I, well, the way I met Mike was he was coaching at Wisconsin Green Bay and he was recruiting my players um, out of my club. And then he went to Illinois and actually I actually had three players um, go to Illinois because of because of Mike. Um, and we just became friends. And then he came back and uh, helped me in my program for a year um, and taught me buzz. And I wasn't a fan at first because I'm strictly man to man. Just, I, I'm a man-to-man, and, and I think, you know, because I tell my players, because to me, my club is about developing. I said, we're, we're going to play man-to-man because if you can learn how to play man-to-man, you go to high school and play any zone a coach puts you in. But, but if we play zone and your high school coach plays man-to-man, that's tougher. It's tougher to just be, you know, does that make sense? So uh, I think I'm doing right. my kids a justice by playing a lot of man-to-man in my program. Because then I think they're equipped to play any defense that the high school coach wants to play, and uh, and yeah, uh, sure. but he, he developed buzz, and and we don't do it as much as my players want, uh, but we do it because it's a great change up um, from man to man. Because for the my man to man principles and buzz, they're they're like the complete opposite <laughs> of each other, and uh, it does create havoc. I mean, it just you know, because teams get into a routine 
um, of what they're doing. And then all of a sudden you throw a whole different look and they're used to making a pass or something open. And all of a sudden now, I mean, I mean, they end up just passing directly to kids. I mean, when we switch from man to buzz, I mean, they end up like literally just like passing the ball straight to a kid the first three possessions because, because right. I mean, they're wired to make a different pass. And all of a sudden you switched it and it's, it's, uh, my kids love it. They beg to play it more. And, you know, there's times if we're not playing hard, I tell them, if, if you're not playing hard man to man, I'm not going to reward you with buzz. I know, I know it could change the game because it does. I mean, it, it, like I told you, it, it can take a five point lead into a 15 point lead in a matter of four possessions. I mean, straight, like four straight possessions, like four turnovers in a row, you're shooting layups. Now it's a double digit lead or you're down by seven and things aren't going well. You go buzz and all of a sudden you're up by two and it's a whole different game. I mean, it, it has the, I, I call it the ultimate momentum changer. <laughs> It just does. Sure. And, um, um, but I tell them, buzz is a reward for you. If you're playing hard man to man, and I, you're not going to get a stop every time playing man to man. And that's what, that's kind of the, the people that don't like the buzz, they say, well, so you give up easy baskets. Like, yeah, but I, my kids give up easy baskets playing man to man too, but I don't get out of it every time they give up an easy basket because they're in the wrong spot. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, you, know, right. you hear people like, well, you just give up too many easy hoops. It's like, you know, you give up easy hoops in any defense. I mean, so, but I, I love it. I mean, and we stretch it too. We have a lot of different things we do with it. We'll, we'll, we'll shrink it. Um, we will, we'll start it at half court. And then we call it 11 buzz where, you know, we'll pick them up at the, at, at the, at the, at the free throw line and, and play full court with it too. So, um, you know, there's some different looks with it. And sometimes we'll trap, trap it. Sometimes we'll fire it. Sometimes we won't. It, uh, um, I like mixing it up that way, you know, um, it, it keeps everyone a little bit. What I find it does, it keeps it. It's not really about the, the, the opponent. It, it keeps my kids fresh when I mix it up that way that they continually have to change. So they're a little more in tune to it. Does that make sense? Because because um, the sure. biggest thing when you if you play the buzz like a two one like a or like a two one two zone you, you, you you're done. <laughs> I mean, I tell my this is not a two one two zone. If I wanted you to play two one two, we play two one two. If we when we start playing it like that, we're out of it. And uh, so um, by changing it up, I, I think it keeps the kids mentally fresh a little bit. And they're, you know, they have to think a little bit. Okay, what we're doing, and it keeps them a little more involved. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And give me some keys. Um, are you uh, really playing the passing? Because it's a passing yeah. lane defense, um, and we don't get steals as much in traps as we do just walling off passing lanes. And then the girls at our level make a lot of bad passes so that's yeah. why we like to use it um so give me some some strengths of how you use your your positions in your and your buzz and um give me some things give me some yeah. weaknesses um you know yeah i mean i i, I think the, there's no direct passes i mean nothing they're absolutely i mean the biggest thing is you have to eliminate direct passes the second direct pass kills you 
I mean, and, and that's what I tell my kids all the time. I mean, we, you know, everything has to be a law pass. Direct, I mean, we, we they're going to get a shot with direct passes. The first one doesn't get you all the time. The second one, they're going to get a shot. So everything's got to be a lob um, and pressure. You can't allow them to hold the ball. I mean, uh, it doesn't mean right when they catch it, you pressure. But, you know, you, you get to your passing lane. And then I, yeah, I always try to I, – I always say this. Um, this is how I kind of equate it. I mean, you got Peyton Manning back there, right? Well, when you allow Peyton Manning <laughs> and Tom Brady to sit there and go through all their checks looking at wide receivers – they're going to find someone open. But when if you get them running around and scrambling, they might miss they, they might pass off the target. So to me, you just can't let someone hold the ball and size everybody up where they're at and then make a strong pass. So to me, you get to your spot in space because there's a lot of times that that kid catches it and then they'll try to throw a quick lob. And when you're off them right away, you can jump up and I get a lot of kids that steal it, you know, the, the pass right there. But then – but once they right. start sizing you up, then you have to go pressure the ball and get it out of their hands. Um, so we do that. And, and um, I like to put really, I mean, I, the last, I, I like to put really tall athletic kids up top. And I, right, and I hide top. my okay. little digits down on yeah. the baseline. I mean, you know, you know so um, because, Tall athletic kids up top just destroy teams. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, on my top Bison team for the last two years, uh, Nyanga Goni, who's going to Miami, uh, she's 6'3 and just super athletic. I mean, and I, then I had a track stud up there that's not a great basketball player, but really athletic. And she just, they would just destroy people up top with their length and athleticism. It was just, it was, it was a nightmare. And I could hide my little, Five five point guard, who is awesome, but she's five five. I just hide her down the corner, so um, doing the right stuff. But so I, I think if you have a tall athletic team, I mean the buzz kills people, you know. But the, the most important person really is, and it doesn't have to be your post player, but but that person in the middle, I mean they they have to right. be a workhorse. I mean, they, they absolutely, it's a tough job. I mean, it's, it, it's a tough job and you have to work your tail off because you got a lot of responsibilities of, of uh, no direct passes and, you know, always being between the ball and the basket. I mean, it's a lot of running. So, um, so we do, that's what we do a lot. And, um, you know, to me, when they drive, you know, you can collapse and trap it to me. I don't. I like to funnel and play the passing lane all the way. And I tell my post player, well, you're between the ball and the basket. So when they're driving, get in an athletic stance and you win. If they, if they, if they pull up and shoot a jump shot over you, that, that is a win for us. I'll take, I'll take that. Because sure. A, there's not a lot of kids that can do that anymore. I don't, I don't think a lot of teams, I don't think a lot of kids practice pull up 10 foot jump shots. Cause you don't see a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. A kid that can do that, you notice right away. A kid that can pull up and shoot a jump shot 10 feet, you know, you notice right away because it's three or layups. Um, so we encourage, we don't trap it. 
Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. We stay in the passing lane because we don't want any, no little dump-off passes, you know. Um, so we, we encourage, let the kids, if it's a pull-up jump shot, make or miss, it's a win. Make or miss, if they shoot a pull-up jump shot and they make it, you're never going to hear from me that, that you played it wrong. So... But when you come out and commit and they bounce it down to the block for a layup, then you're going to probably hear about something. So, Yeah, yeah, and it's your bottom, what Mike calls his threes. Kind of, they got to really rotate yep. down on penetration to protect on that. I mean, they're, they're, there's weaknesses to every defense, right, Dan? But I, I do feel like most teams cannot run their offense when we're using the buzz. Now, even at your level, I mean, you're going against pretty dang good players. So you, if you can use it at your level, I think it'd be used. Yeah, at I mean, I, if, if I was a high school coach, I'd use it all the time. Cause you're right. I mean, I mean, uh, there's a lot of, the, the one thing that I know that, that a lot of, I mean, kids, they can't pass. <laughs> anymore i mean there are a lot right. of bad passers in the game of basketball and um and the buzz i mean it it, it, it exploits you big time and, and you know at the club level you know the kids should be better passers right i mean for the most part the club <laughs> level you know there's they're supposed to be better basketball players coming from different places right and playing so they're they're, they're better you know, every high school, you, you know, you're not very few high schools are going to have seven club. Bas- I mean, seven good club basketball on the team. So you're going to be playing some kids that are right. playing um, because, well, their friends are playing or because they enjoy it. But they're really volleyball players. You know, they, they love volleyball, but they're going to play basketball because they're in a smaller school. You know, I think the smaller schools buzz would just be a nightmare. For, for team, I mean, I mean, because then you really, I mean, you know, your large schools, like, you know, your biggest schools in a, in Georgia, you're going to have a lot of good players on those teams. You know, that makes sense. But your smaller schools, yeah, I mean, you're filling them with, they're just playing because their friends are playing, right? And they, they, that's kind of what they did. But they have no aspirations of playing college basketball or that. I mean, that I, I think it would just be a nightmare at, the, at those levels. I mean, for, for – yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so because um, that, that's what we do. We're we're at a small school, and um, you know, actually, our, our program's getting a lot better and better, better athletes and so forth. So we could use it even more. But um, hey, let's transition to your offensive system now. Uh, I know you don't have a lot of time, so are you running the same system pretty much every year, or are you kind of changing up based on? What kind you know, of kids this you is have? where I. This is kind of what uh, has been instilled from me from with Coach Erickson that uh, we're mm-hmm. going to run the same break, transition break, um, 
with every team in the club and every year. And we're and we're going to run the same. We're going to have the same base plays. Let's say eight plays. And I'm not a firm believer in plays um, at, at my level <clears throat> because, you know, this is kind of where I transformed. I mean, when I first got into it, I had like 24 plays and we, and we drill them and we execute them. But, <laughs> and I'd ask the players, um, um, my, um, but I, I get from college coaches, Dan, I, that kid's really good in your system, but can she play? I mean, she's, she knocks down that shot coming off that double screen off that stagger all the time, but we don't run that play. Can she, can she shoot it? I mean, can she, you know what I'm saying? Can, can, Basically, they're asking me, can they play? Right. Or are they just a system player? And so, you know, we're, we were, we're a lot more successful when at times when we could run, when I 20 plays at you, you know what I'm saying? But I really took it to heart. I'm like, okay, I am doing this for the kids. And I'm getting college coaches, not all the time, right? But enough that I'm like, okay, obviously it's noticeable that my system's working, but I'm a club coach in the summer. I'm not a high school coach trying to win a state championship. I, I preach that my goal is to help right. kids getting better. And I have college coaches asking me, can they play basketball or can they play your system? So we change. So we don't run a lot of plays. We run a lot of ball screen motion, um, you know, read and react. Okay. Ball, I mean, it's just not ball screen motion. We do a lot of ball screen motion and just read and react. It's kind of a combination. It's kind of a hybrid of both. Does that make sense? Um, um, so we do a lot sure. of that and, and we have about seven to eight set plays because, you know, if the kids are working hard and we're down two with, with 15 seconds left, I want to run a set and give them the best opportunity to win the game too, you know? And, and so we'll do that. But so we have eight plays, eight to 10 plays that we'll run. Um, and the whole club knows them because we're all volunteers at our level. So it's like, okay, well, if, if Jim, if Jim has, you know, his daughter's graduation and can't make that tournament and one of our other coaches have to coach, but they don't know anything the other team does, how are they going to coach? So the other thing that separates our program is our kids run the same things defensively and offensively throughout the program. Now, yes, the fourth graders aren't running as many or the same as the 10th the graders, but it's a grad, it's a, it's a gradual, you know, every year you're adding a little more to it, but it's the same basis. So any one of my coaches could show up and coach any team and, and, and actually help the kids get better because they, they know the expectations of what the kids are supposed to be doing. So, um, so, you know, I like to play fast, you know, to me, it's, it's, uh, I'm a firm believer. The more, the most, the most open you're ever going to be is when you first catch the ball. So catch it. We need to be shot ready every time we catch the ball. Yeah. And how do you feel at your level when you're playing against other teams that like to play fast. Tell me, you know, tell me how you guys coach that up and so forth. When, I, I mean, I'm sure like the Nike yep. elite plays fast and, and everybody plays fast. Do you try it sometime to slow the pace down? What do you do at, at yeah, you your know, level? If we have a, a really athletic team, um, we'll <clears> play more buzz. Um, you, you know, like a Nike elite team, 
Um, sure, Nike Elite. I mean, they all. I mean, you, we can name this team is known for this, and this team is known for this, and and that kind of stuff. But um, you know, we'll we'll play a lot of buzz. I mean, if the team's more athletic than us, you know, if they just have better athletes than us, we'll play a lot of buzz because I feel those teams tend to want to get to the hoop more. You know, you know what I'm saying? And um, and the buzz can yeah. kind of stop that a little bit from, from dribble penetration where sometimes man-to-man's a little bit tougher if, if the other team's more athletic. But, uh, you know, then there's a couple back elite teams you play I mean, the, the buzz just, I mean, it doesn't work because they're such good passers. They know where to pass the ball and they're all ready to shoot. You know, the, the buzz kills you when you're, if you're, if you're playing a team that's not shot ready, the buzz hurts teams like that. You're, you're playing a team that's shot ready and they make a direct pass. I mean, they're going to get a lot of shots up. And, um, and if they can make them, you know, which a couple of those teams can, then, then it, it doesn't work so well. But, uh, you know, we, we don't really try to slow teams up. Um, you know, uh, we try to actually, I try to speed teams up then slow them down. I mean, you, you know, and just cause teams like to play fast, are they able to play fast? You know, that's what I always tell my players. It's like, you know, just because it looks like they want to play fast, can all five of them play fast, or just can that one kid play fast? Let's go. Let's go see if all of them can play fast. You know, and, and I think um, speeding kids up cause a lot of turnovers by them. You know, um, getting kids to do things at a faster level when they're uncomfortable it creates that, that. That right there is a lot of turnovers. So. Yeah, and pressure does kill, right, even at your level. I mean, I think a lot of coaches are afraid, um, and this is just my own belief, and and help me out a little bit here, Dan. I I feel like even when you have less talent, you need to teach your kids how to pressure. And uh, um, I think you can still force some turnovers and so forth. I I think by packing it in, I don't don't believe that you pack it in – to a two-three zone, if you have less talent, no, I, I don't I know don't, what your beliefs I mean, are. To me, um, no, I, I think pressure <laughs> kills. I also think you know we'll full court press at times, and and the other team will break it, but then they'll miss. You know, they'll they'll make one layup out of every five, but it looks like we're doing a really crappy job of pressing. But I, I get questioned on it. Well, why did you stand <laughs> in the press and you were just breaking it? I said. They were missing. They 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 were twenty five percent on layups. Why why would I? It's working. Well, no, they're getting layups, but they're not making them, so it's working. So they're going faster than they they're they're going faster than right. they can execute at. And I think that's I think that's you know that's the problem of trying to convince the players and the parents, the spectators, is that it, it even if they get a shot. You know, if they're missing it, you know what? It, it, it's working, and it, not not because you're lazy on defense, but if you're speeding those, if you're speeding them up to where they're taking shots at a speed that they're uncomfortable at, or making passes that at a speed they're uncomfortable at, or or shooting layups at a speed that they're uncomfortable at, they're probably going to miss those shots, and then you got to block out and rebound, and so it's working. I mean, you know. Um, so that, that's my 
that's my whole thing. I mean, there, there's teams getting good shots or teams getting shots. I, I don't measure if my team's working if a team gets an open shot. It, it's it's hey, I've had a lot of kids, you know, take wide open shots, and I don't want that kid taking the shot. <laughs> so if, if we can get if we can get the kid <laughs> right. You know, if some kid wide open and takes a shot, and they're but it's the kid they don't want taking a shot, you win because you're getting you're speeding them up, you know. And and sometimes I, you know, I always tell my players jokingly, I said, you know, you were open. Sometimes there's a reason why they're leaving you open. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Um, but anyway, so no, I, I think speed kills, and um, you know. Uh, I could create a lot of havoc with like five track studs that could only make layups. And so <laughs> exactly, yeah, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Coach. And hey, before you go, I want you to because I know you deal with this. Um, you're getting kids from high schools who are probably the stars of their program, I'm sure. And how do you because how do you get them to understand that you? to play a role within your program and college coaches are going to see probably more. So the kid coming off the bench, they're probably going to be, man, man, that kid looks like a pretty good player. And then they come in, they have bad body language. They don't do the intangible things. So what are you trying to teach these kids that are coming in, maybe playing a different role well, than I, what they're you know, used to? The first thing I tell them is, I mean, you're, you're here to get better. And, and <clears throat> that's why you're here. Um, and, you know, I, I say it a lot. You you can't always be the best player on the team you're playing on. I mean, you can go back to high school and be the best player, but when you go to club, you have to understand that you might not be the best player. And and by learning to do different roles, you're more you're more recruitable. <clears throat> you know, I mean, uh, and I and, and I really preach to kids if if a if a coach is really interested in you. And a coach, and a coach that you want to go play for in college, if they're really interested in you, they're watching you walk into the gym. They're watching you when you're sitting on the bleachers before the next game. How you're interacting with your teammates. They're watching you at warmups. They're watching you. They, they they want to see you get in foul trouble. I mean, they're there to watch you play. But once they really know that they want you as a player or that you can play for them. They want to see how you're going to react when you get three fouls and not to sit down for seven minutes. Are you got your head head in your hands and you're pouting? Or are you trying to make the team better on the bench? Is it all about you or is it is it about the team? So, you know, to me, it's like, I mean, do yourself a favor. Body language, being a good teammate, because if you really want to be recruited um, and, and if someone's interested in you, they're they're watching everything you do. And I said, there's times, I mean, my players know, you know, when, when I have some high level kids and I have high level kids, there's times where there's a lot of coaches watching a lot of division one coaches watching. I'll just, I'll call them over and I'll just really get on their butt. like a free throw. And, and, and I'll smile after I'm done chewing their butt face to face. I say, you know why I did that. Right. And th these are ones that have been, yeah. So now I can show them that I can handle it. I said, yeah, so go do it. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, because 
Right. That's a valuable thing, right? Be, being able to be corrected on the court and then being able to go make a play or correct it. If you can do that, I don't know a coach who doesn't want to recruit that. <laughs> I mean, so. Yeah, that, that makes a, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, coaches, I mean, I know cause I, cause I'm dealing with it now with a lot of coaches uh, coming to our practices and so forth, coming to the games. They're not, they know my kid can score and can play, but can she handle, I mean, they want to know what she can do against the best. That's why, uh, you know, one of the schools, they, they want to see her play in the travel ball because the teams that we play against, um, she's better than a lot of the kids. So, and I told her, I said, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they want to see you with the best. Do you think it's important for coaches to see them in practice or rather than the games? I, I think yeah, they sports. need to see him in both. I, mean, I think they need to see him. Yeah, I, I think they need to see him in the games uh, at all levels. You know, I, I, I think they need to see him in, in the travel, uh, on the travel clubs, and then they need to watch him play in the high school games. I mean, is that player, does she only play hard when she's challenged, or is that kid go back to her high school and, you know, is she just a good player, or is she going to go back to her high school and make her high school team better? Or is she just going to kind of relax because – is right. she just going to kind of work hard enough to be good or is she going to give the best, you know? And because, you know, um, at that point when coaches are coming to your high school and watching you practice, they already know you can play. They already, they already want you for the most part. Otherwise they're not, I mean, are they going to really, are they going to fly in and come to your high school practice because they're not sure that you can play for them? I mean, not really. I mean, some do, but for the most part, if they're going to come watch you practice, they're pretty sure that they want you to play. You know what I'm saying? But but that you can play. It right. Also. Now they want to see all the other stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, I I always I, – I, 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 I love hearing Gino, Coach, talk at UConn. I, I love just what he says. I mean, I, I just love that, you know, you hear him talk about recruiting and, you know, as a sophomore, they'll identify or freshman, they'll identify like 30 players that could play. And then basically he just kind of says, and then we just let them weed themselves out with their body language on the court or a home visit. You know, the, the biggest quote was I heard him say, you right. know, uh, you know we, we just cross the kid off the list. We <laughs> go for a home visit and they sit there and watch their parents clear the table and don't get up and help or if they're rude to their siblings. We just cross them off because we know if they're, if they're like that at home, where are they going to be? Their teammates here. And so they just, I just love it that we identify 30 kids that could play for us. And then we just let them eliminate themselves over the next couple of years. <laughs> and they, they do it by themselves, you know, with what you just talked about, their body language and how they're interacting and how they are at practice, you know, are they rude to their high school coach, you know, or whatever, or any coach. So, um, it, it's it's education. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a continually uh, <laughs> process of teaching these kids what to do. Yeah, and of course, yeah, I'm a big fan of Gino. Of course, at his level, I think he can do that. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of Division yeah. One, small D one, um, I'm not sure if they can afford to do that, but they probably should. 
um, to get their program to the next level. Don't you think that's a dilemma for a lot of these schools trying to get well, to the UConn level? That they're just taking well, anybody with talent. Because when I when I first got into this, work ethic trumped, <laughs> and coaches liked my kids because my kids worked their tails off. And then it kind of went around to where you heard coaches always say, "We need to become more athletic. We need to become more athletic." You know, it wasn't the word. You know, but but now it's back to you hear coaches. I I want to want I want to win with work ethic. You know, because I tell you this: the, the kids that are working hard. <laughs> well, here it is. I mean, I heard a coach say it, and I won't say who, but but I loved that she said it. She goes, you know what? At the college level, you get fired because you don't win games. Well, if I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired with a bunch of kids that work their tails off. They're just not good enough to win enough games for me to stay hired. But it's not because of lack of trying. It's not because they're not trying to do what I'm asking them to do. It's not because they don't want to get to practice and practice. Because I'm done losing games with kids that, that are better than some of these other kids. But then it's just a fight to get them to do anything. And I, I agree, you know. I mean, if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to go down with, I'm going to go down with a group of kids that fought like hell to win. They just weren't good enough to win. I mean, and 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 I think coaches are going back to that, but it, but it's tough. I mean, I know it's tough because we all know college coaches, you're fired if you don't win enough games. That's one reason, um, you know. So you're always looking for the better kid and 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 need the better kid, but. Uh, it's a it's a chess match because I still think for your team to be any good, you know, you need you need some hardworking kids that that believe in what you're doing, and then you can surround them with maybe some other kids that that uh, are better basketball players that maybe aren't as hardworking, but you know, if you have two hard workers on your team and the rest are kind of really good basketball players you're probably not going to be very successful. But if you have seven really hard workers and right. surround them with two pretty really good basketball players, those two might conform to those hardworking kids. Yeah, that's a great point for the coaches that are listening. Um, and you're right. I, I think you have to establish what your culture is. And that's what you've been saying all along, Dan. Establish your culture, believe in it, and then – you might have people along the way that are that that can't fulfill that, so you can't keep them for that. You got to make sure that you keep your fight for your culture. Uh, but I think I, w- I wish more high school coaches would do that. But maybe that's why the transfer portal at the college and high school level is so high because people are just you know always looking yeah. for that ideal situation. Um, but not in your program, right, Dan? You're going to take who people believe in you your know, system. I'm going to take players. You know, I mean. Some of my players don't even know what my system is when they come, but, but, you know, they're going <laughs> to, they're going to be demanded to work hard and they're going to be demanded to do what's expected of them. And they're going to be demanded to be a good teammate. And you know what? Uh, I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of people. I don't get the, I don't get all the, my club. I mean, you know, over the years I've had some really good players, um, uh, but I don't get all the best players because, I mean, people use people use my philosophy on what I'm talking about 
of the expectation. They use that against me and the program. You know, yeah, you go there, you know, you're just going to play defense the whole practice. You know, you're just going to run, you know, you know, you're never going to shoot, you know, you know what I'm saying? And people ask me all the time, does that bother you that you don't get the best? Said, well, no, because if, because if they're afraid, if, if that's what's keeping them away from my program, it's probably a good thing. They're probably saving me some headaches. And, uh, right. and, and I'm, you know, I learned it a long time ago. I can only help the people that, that believe in my program. And the rest of the people I'm not going to worry about because I'm only going to worry about the kids that are in my program. I'm going to do the best I can with them, and I'm not going to worry about the ones that, that aren't in the program. And, uh, you know, a lot of coaches, I think, lose a lot of sleep on, uh, you know, or they spend a lot of time trying to recruit you know, better kids and all those kids. And I'm talking like AU programs. And to me, it's like, if you don't want to play for me, don't play. This is what I stand for. This is what the program stands for. Here, here's, here's the players that we had play. Here's where they're at. You know, I mean, the, the, the kid from Shelby, Nebraska played for me since sixth grade. And she's the only female McDonald's all American that the state of Nebraska's had. She played in my program from sixth grade through all the way through high school. And she's, from a town of like 500 people. <laughs> so, you know, um, right. so I mean, that's, I just, but she w- was a hardworking kid and bought in and, and, you know, so I, I just, I worry about my mission is to help kids and I can only, I, I, I can only help the kids that, that want to be in my program. So, so. I love it. Hey, Dan, thanks for thanks for being so transparent. I appreciate it. I know I learned a lot, and um, I think a lot of coaches have gained a lot more respect for the, you know, the, the travel ball industry and your perspective on it. There's some great coaches like yourself out there coaching these kids, so we really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, how can coaches get a hold of you if they're interested in um, kind of you know, studying you and your program? And then we'll just, you know, I get their contact information, or they can go on the website, that's the best way. It's Cornhusker, uh, Cornhuskershootingstars.com. And, um, yep. Yeah, yeah it's so a great website. website. Yeah, for sure. Information's there. And if they're interested, they can shoot me an email. And we'll just we'll go from there. Absolutely. Dan, I, I, I'm hoping you guys get back to business pretty soon um, and start playing again. But I think every state's dealing with this right now. So, I wish you the best and uh, right. stay healthy, yeah, my friend. Too. Take thanks care. Thanks, too. thanks for joining me. All right. Yep. Bye. All right. Hey, coaches. This is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles—they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.